0: You follow what it takes and you change with the world. The world's changing every day, and this town changed a lot.
1: Coming up on Ochrecast, Cliff Collins of Cliff's Meat Market in Carborough, North Carolina, talks about maintaining a business in the face of a changing community. And oral historian Amy Evans on how Cliff survives as one of the last independent meat markets. He has expanded his business, he's expanded his clientele, he's expanded his offerings. He's embraced that community,
2: and he's Richard for it.
1: This is OkraCast from the Southern Foodways Alliance headquarters at the University of Mississippi. Keep listening.
0: I want to hear the story Of how it came to pass Of all the dreads and glory
1: Anna Hamilton, and welcome to OkraCast, the podcast of the Southern Foodways Alliance. OkraCast maps food culture across the changing American South. This is a storytelling podcast that explores the dynamic people, places, and traditions of our region. Throughout 2014, the Southern Foodways Alliance is exploring issues of inclusion and exclusion at the Southern table. This week's OkraCast highlights Cliff Collins, a longtime resident of Carborough, North Carolina, Since 1973, Cliff has grown and maintained his small butcher business by embracing the demographic change in his community to welcome and accommodate all customers. Where Cliff once carried only standards like bacon, pork chop, and beef ribs, he now offers chorizo, menudo, and pastor, in addition to a dry goods section that caters to the town's Latino population. Amy Evans is the lead oral historian for the Southern Foodways Alliance, and she interviewed Cliff about diversifying his business and adapting to a changing Carborough and Chapel Hill.
3: So, tell me about um, diversifying your products here and, and em- embracing the community's and customers' demands for new and different products like the Chorizo and, and the uh, Latino community here.
0: You follow what it takes, and you change with the world. The world's changing every day. This town changed a lot. is a wonderful place to live, and so many people want to live in Carborough, we don't have enough housing for them. So is a highly sought-after place, and the people changing is not only the Hispanics. They've got people from England here. got people from Ecuador and everywhere. They're coming from France and Germany and India. And they want to things they're used to having. So I work trying to say, well, bring me a picture of it. And I can look at the meat and tell where, mostly where it come from, especially with beef. And I said, oh, yeah, that's special trim. That's no problem. I got it right here. I said, oh, it does look like it now.
3: <laughs> so has that been an interesting kind of learning experience for you to see, for you to have people, outsiders come in and kind of convey these new names and, and uses for these things that you've always worked with?
0: Oh, yes. And also it's, it's Satisfying me to get what they want and to be able to tell them, Oh, yes, I can get that. I know what it is. And they say, You really do? So, Nobody else in town I've been here for, they don't, don't even know what I'm talking about. I said, That's the reason you need to come here. <laughs> and I can proudly tell them that.
2: I, I was struck in Cliff's interview, he was very eager to accommodate all of the change and to respond to the growing Chapel Hill and Carborough community by you know, offering more, offering different things. Or he even has this moment where he says, you know, people will come in and and ask for something and I don't know what it is. So I'll say, bring me a picture. So I think it's really amazing that he has been able to adapt so well to the changing community. Yeah. And I think it's a great, you know, community advocacy model. It's a great business model. I mean, if you're short-sighted and you want to exclude people, then your business is going to reflect that short-sightedness. And if you're, you know, have a, a, a greater appreciation for who's coming through your door and can adapt and and fold those you know differences into what you're doing then your business can only grow you know he has expanded his business he's expanded his clientele he's expanded his offerings he's embraced that community and he's richer for it
3: how about the the demand for organic um meats and that that trend and what that's meant to your business
0: it's more in demand now than ever because people and I guess the 50s and 60s and 70s, they were not smart enough to realize that they were hurting themselves by giving them stuff they didn't need. And I grew up, we raised our own stuff to all old. We raised the corn gave to the pigs and cows. We raised everything give it to them. It was all organic. But then they, they changed things around and wanted to go this uh, souped-up stuff, like steroids, that, what do we need that for? He'll be, he'll be, tastes better. He might not be so big. If he gets too big, if you can't handle him. <laughs> On the farm, us, what we talked about. Hey, it's too big. It'll kill you. It walked walk over top of you. Talking no, about the cows and pigs. So we'd raise them to what they needed to be, and we'd slaughter them, try not to make pets out of them first. <clears throat> but anyway, it was a. I, I never dreamed that when I was a little kid that things like that would be, they'd feed animals that would hurt them, because you know what the animals eat. Then we eat the animals. It's like we're eating it, almost the same. It's just one, one step down from it. So we don't need that to break down our systems and make us not as healthy. So the organic is real popular right now.
3: So talking about your relationship with your customers, I know you're so well known for that. Um, I wonder if there's any kind of psychological thing that you've watched happen with, because you were talking about how the the customer really must see the person physically cutting the meat. You can't pre-cut it. And so I wonder if you've ever thought about kind of what that relationship is um, kind of on a more, you know, psychological level and, and what kind of relationship people have with you and because of the meat that they get from
0: you? First of all, it's so many shady things can be done in processing meat. And when it's all packaged up, they don't know what's been done there. When they see the whole piece of meat and see us slice it and they see us weigh it and wrap it up, they see everything's going on. When they go home, they know what they've seen in the store. They've got the same product. They don't know what's happened. that meat And they know that's been done then, not last week, a week before last and then on what was put on that meat after it was processed, or even before. So that's a big thing now with the people, customers. They want to see what's going on.
2: He's the last of sort of the community butchers in this area. Yeah, well, I think that's true in awful lot of places, because, you know, as the grocery stores get fancier and um, start really kind of diversify to be more competitive, you know, there are butcher shops and grocery stores, and, you know, I think about, um, you know, South Central Louisiana and the whole meat market tradition is starting to kind of fade away because it used to be, you know, there was somebody who raised pigs and then they'd go inside and butcher them for you. And now there are only just a couple of meat markets that actually raise their own meat. So it's just kind of, you know, the evolution of, of that market and people's needs. But I think that somebody like Cliff, who has hung on for so long um, and he's such a special person that he has really made a, a niche for himself because, of who he is and what he does and i think too probably being in the chapel hill area you know there, he has a lot greater access to hormone free meat and that kind of thing and there's a greater demand for that kind of stuff in that you know university community and people who are long been versed in the virtues of real food and that kind of thing has been important to that community for decades and it's something that people are really intent on hanging on to i think so he's I think mean, he's a special case for sure. He talked about how, you know, the future of Cliff, he's like, well, you know, I'm going to be here as long as I can. And if I do end up selling it, I still want to work for whoever I sell it to because I'm going to miss you and all the people, you know. And he just thrives mm-hmm. on that interaction. You know, he, he needs it. So, and, you know, and we need Cliff, totally.
1: That was Cliff Collins interviewed by Amy Evans. Be sure to look up Cliff's next time you're in Chapel Hill. You can find more of Cliff's interview in our Chapel Hill Eats Oral History Project. That's all online at southernfoodways.org. And while you're there, don't be afraid to poke around in the Southern Foodways Alliance archives, where we've collected over 800 interviews from across the American South. SugarCast is the soundtrack for the Southern Foodways Alliance, bringing you the stories behind the food. The Southern Foodways Alliance documents, studies, and celebrates the diverse food cultures of the changing American South. If you're hungry for more, pay us a visit online at southernfoodways.org.
0: I want to hear a story Of how it came to pass Grits and glory. It's time. Is that one okay?